I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Extra Shot, the weekly pod spilling sports funniest stories. This week on the pod... A Premier League star's secret weed farm, a painful transfer cock-up for Man United, and Germany's nudist World Cup winner. I'm Jack, joined as always by Zach. Hello, Jack. Hello, mate. Um, Zach and I are very excited to discuss our live show that we are plotting for two days before the start of the Euros. I think it's Wednesday 12th of June. So it'll be us... Uh, a few special guests. JP's already thrown his hat into the ring. I'm sure we'll, we'll have a few other mm-hmm. exciting guests. And we'll be talking about the tournament's biggest wrong-uns. Maybe an all-time England wrong-uns 11. Something like that. Yeah, I mean, how long have we got? Well, it'll be probably be 90 minutes. And yeah. then join us for some some drinks after. Uh, and you can check out our dodgy haircuts. We'll probably spill a bit of gossip that we wouldn't normally be able to say on the pod, right? Oh, yeah. Because of the yeah, intimate confines of a live, live show. Lots of lots of secrets that we, we can't spill. Yeah, we've got some sorted Public, stuff. But... Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, it's going to be most likely in a famous venue in Putney, southwest London. I'm not going to reveal the name yet, but the Rolling Stones have played it, so we're the the natural people to to appear next. Um, And if you're interested and want to register your interest for tickets, then we've dropped a link in the show description where you can just send us your email address. And that way, when tickets come out, they'll be probably in the £20 region. Uh, We'll send send you an email with details on how to get it. So click the link in the pod. Right, Zach, we've had another letter on the matter of extremely petty fan loyalty. Great. It comes from John Clark in Scotland. Uh, So John says that he, I worked at Ibrox Rangers ground when I was younger. Snack bar where I worked had no salt and vinegar walkers and no green straws because green's obviously Celtic's (laughs) colour. Also, there was no salad, although not sure because that's because it was green or because of football fans. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Especially Scottish ones. They're like, oh, we're not going, we're not going for a walk in the forest. <laughs> not, not till autumn. <laughs> I love the idea of not eating veg because yeah. it reminds me yeah. of Celtic. <laughs> I'll just die of rickets and scurvy <laughs> because I'm not fucking sporting just, them. Just iron brew and deep fried Mars bars for me, I think. Um, anyway, thanks, John, for sending that. Uh, we've actually got some more stories. You will spend most of your time in the dark because... Yeah, because you're orange. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to be seen. <laughs> Is that what happened to David Dickinson? Um, anyway, th- thank you to John Clark for sending that in. We've got some more quite funny examples of blind loyalty in, in our Scottish football special, which is coming soon for the Old Firm Derby. But it did also remind me of another story 
from a, a caller who phoned Paul Hawksby's show on TalkSport. I think it was last year. And he, he, this guy's an Aston Villa fan and he said he was driving on the dual carriageway when a bit of loose debris flew up and hit his windscreen and smashed it. So obviously he had to pull over and he was stuck for two hours. It was pouring with rain. He was cold, tired. The kids in the back were getting impatient. And then finally, through the downpour, emerges the yellow lights of a van from auto windscreens and his wife's like breathing a sigh of relief. And the Aston Villa fans just like, no, they sponsored Birmingham City until 2003. I'm not having them fix the windscreen <laughs> and just let them drive on. <laughs> Apparently his wife oh was appalled. I love it. Yeah. Just imagining them for another another like six hours waiting by the roadside. Just, yeah. I mean, at that point, battery's just, flat. And just walk home. Yeah. It's like miserable. All right. Zach, what have you got for us? So, so actually speaking of, speaking of clubs with ridiculously fanatical loyalties there's a new series of Sunderland Till I Die out at the moment and the Netflix producers are promising more competency and less chaos which is frankly pretty disappointing Mm. for viewers but fortunately back in the real world the chaos is alive and well because this week Sunderland sacked Michael Beale their manager after just 63 days in charge so he really fell out with the fans he claims that it's because he claims they never liked him because of his London accent, uh, but they would dispute that and say they didn't like him because of his miserable brand of football and, and <laughs> dire results. Naturally, there was a polite and measured debate about this on social media, but now there's a new twist and allegations are being thrown around that Michael Beale himself was routinely using a burner account to join these debates and defend himself against... Sunderland fans. So a burner account is what? A fake account? A fake, a fake account. No one knows it's you. Exactly, yeah. So what the, what the Folk, which is a, a Sunderland podcast, did a bit of investigating on an account called Player ID after it posted a string of quite suspicious and very strident defences of, uh, of Michael Beale's reign. So at the weekend, uh, there was this incident that he was accused of snubbing a player's handshake as they as they came off the pitch and loads of Sunderland fans were slagging him off player ID waded into the debate with a a wide angle shot of the scene and a defense that he was like he clearly didn't see the guy offering him his handshake it can't have been on purpose there was also another post where he uh he claimed that Sunderland's Sunderland would struggle to replace the excellent Michael Beale because of their toxic fan base and a lack of transfer funds. Um, <laughs> Was that no one, no normal fan would, would refer to him as the excellent Michael yeah. Beale. <laughs> I might be embellishing that part. Oh, right. but, um, that was, that was the, uh, that was the essence of it. He was also tweeting to defend his, his not very successful reign at Rangers. Um, but anyway, somebody at this, what the folk podcast did a bit of digging on the account, scrolled back through their posts and discovered that it was first created in 2017, uh, at which point it was described as a business venture from Michael Beale. <laughs> right. <laughs> the court so, Yeah. So it seems like this was just another account that Michael Beale had access to and he's been defending himself on it. Uh, my favorite part of this was that somebody posted screenshots of these tweets on reddit and the top reply was i don't think that's a burner account just an honest fan who knows the truth and that was from an account called michael meal (laughs) (laughs) i love the dedication to go and make the account yeah that's that's great Um, these burner accounts are always so obvious because 
no one else will be doing frame by frame analysis of like a missed handshake. Yeah, and exclusively posting about one <laughs> one topic. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty funny. But a silver lining for for Michael Beale is that he's still at least more popular than Sunderland's former CEO Charlie Methven, who you might remember starred in the the early series of Sunderland Until I Die. Private Eye described Charlie as a brill creamed Parmesan Thatcher worshipping old Italian hooray which is just the sort of guy Sunderland fans love. <laughs> so after arriving in the Northeast, Methven did his absolute best to piss off Sunderland fans. So he did an interview where he told them that they lacked the understanding of business that people in the South have because there le- there are less entrepreneurs up North. Um <laughs> So you're just like lecturing them. Yeah, just slagging them off. And it also, the very, there's a really great moment in the, the very first episode of Sunderland Till I Die where Sunderland at this point were in like financial crisis, football crisis, and Methven hauled his directors into his office for a meeting about the most pressing issue of the day, which was, of course, the pre-match music, <laughs> um, which he, he said he wanted to be like a massive rave, a bit like Ibiza. <laughs> I remember um, that clip. It's just him in a in an office playing Darude Sandstorm yeah, on the Tannoy yeah. to his stuff. And they're all just like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? We're in administration. We've just been docked 15 points. <laughs> <laughs> he periodically, Methven, like, is, is linked with returning to other football clubs. He's at Charlton now. Oh, he is. Yeah, he, did, he, did, he, uh, he took over Charlton last year, I think. I guess South London's a bit more, like, Thatcherite. They're probably a bit more into his, like, smoothie PR not, man vibe. Not a Thatcherite. Uh, I think it probably will, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Charlton? No. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, let's well, head to it now. Well, yeah. <laughs> let's all dig through the <laughs> electoral records from the 80s. He's not too popular. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Parts. Sunderland need a villain. That's how they operate. So it's good to have Michael Meal. <laughs> Michael Meal, op- yeah. Operating in the shadows and giving them a new one. Also... Yeah. Final nail in your coffin. If you're having to use a fucking burner account, you've already lost the battle for hearts and minds. <laughs> like, yeah. Give up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of bumbling execs, uh, last week we talked about how Blackburn lost out on Roy Keane in the 90s because their staff had gone to the pub on a Friday afternoon and couldn't do the requisite paperwork. But, you know, I was thinking about this and, and you'd think that kind of thing would never happen at a top club now, would it? Surely. Well, Zach... Well, the Times had an article this week about former Man United scout Tommy Muller-Nielsen. And in it was an anecdote from 2018 about how Man United missed out on signing Erling Haaland. So Tommy, uh, who was a like top, top scout, in 2018, he went to a match and, and ended up sitting next to Alfie Haaland, Erling's dad. And this is right when Erling was deciding on his next move. He ultimately went to RB Salzburg, but this is when he you know, was thinking about it. And Tommy and Alfie got on like a house on fire. And by the end of the match, they'd shaken hands on a deal for Erling Haaland to join Man United for five million quid. And it was all... Bargain. Yeah, bargain, exactly. What might have been. And um, the only thing left to happen, they agreed, was that someone senior from United would phone Alfie Haaland the next day at 9am to confirm it. Because obviously Tommy didn't have the power to do that. So um, so they they went away. And the next day, 9am came and went. And there was no phone call. And... uh, Tommy, Tommy texted Alfie like, hey, have you had the call? And he's like, no, no, we haven't. And uh, it gets gets to 10 a.m. And uh, he's like, well, what the hell's going on? Calls Man United. And they're like, oh, no, we, we were just about to call him. And 
they had not thought about the time difference. <laughs> so it was 9am in Manchester, but where Alfie Harlan was, it was 10am and it was too late because Alfie had said, if they don't call at nine, I'll assume you're not interested and we'll, we'll go and sign with Salzburg. Wow. And they did. And that's the story of how Man United missed out on, you know, probably the biggest signing they could have made. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's obviously what might have been for Man United, but also... Would Ireland have turned out shit if he'd gone to United? Yeah, would they have like, ruined him? Would he have ruined him, yeah. Because he was still quite young. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we talked about this on the our Haaland episode that his career was so meticulously planned and like the step-by-step stages of it, it, it worked out so well for him. Like yeah. he was being given opportunities. Would he have just become another Jaden Sancho or one of these other... Yeah, it's an interesting sliding door. Donny van der Beek. I think they could fucking use him at the moment is all I yeah. would say. <laughs> They're not the only ones who turned him down as well. Roy Hodgson, um, Roy Hodgson, there was a, a headline, it was Roy Hodgson turns down Alfie Harland's son in favour of Jordan Ayew because Harland is not physical enough. <laughs> but Which I guess maybe was true at the time. We'll, we'll talk more about Roy in, in a bit. But obviously losing Harland, that's the sort of unprofessional cock-up that Jim Ratcliffe really wants to banish. Jim Ratcliffe, the new minority owner at Man United. Um, and he's he's trying to do that by bringing in Dan Ashworth, the sporting director from Newcastle. Uh, everyone's really raving about Ashworth's record at mm. the moment. They're trying to poach him. They're trying to pay twenty million for him. It's yeah, so strange. I think I've ever heard of another football club role being like the price being bartered for in that yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot. But have you heard about his laptop? So Henry Winter wrote in in the Times. On Dan Ashworth's laptop is a detailed rundown of every player imaginable, all areas and ages. He knows their strengths and weaknesses, their stats, character, and agents. Which like sounds really good, but that is basically football manager, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's just got a copy of that on his laptop. Yeah, you could get that for like thirty nine ninety nine from uh, yeah twenty million quid is a lot is a lot for a laptop. Yeah. Also, Dan Ashworth, I read, was the brains behind the decision to hire Big Sam for England. Really? So his record's not entirely <laughs> unblocked. Like everyone's like, oh, it was so smart of him to promote Southgate. No one else saw the potential. But Southgate was his second choice after Big <laughs> Sam, which was a pretty different proposition. Um, anyway, Dan, if he does get the job at United, his boss will probably be David Brailsford, who is Jim Ratcliffe's sort of performance guru. He headed up GB Cycling in that golden era where they won all those medals. Not without scandal. There's, there's obviously some debate about whether he knew about this package that was handed over by a doctor to the team that uh, you know mm. there's, there's there's like whispers of doping i don't think there's any evidence that brailsford knew about it but he was also accused of running a regime based on quote lies bullying and harassment including a habit of locking cyclists on the team bus for hours at a time and bollocking them really which i guess united fans are quite like that's fergie that's quite fergie's hair dryer yeah. treatment although yeah. hours yeah on a on a Miserable team bus halfway up a mountain in yeah. Montenegro. Yeah. Can you at least turn the heating on? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty miserable. Um, the other thing I really like about Brailsford, Ratcliffe um, owns Nice, the French side, who haven't done that well under him, although they're now third in Liga. I think they finally found some form. But um, Brailsford was sporting director there and uh, he was living in a caravan on the training site. <laughs> <laughs> Just screams nutter for me. Yeah. Is that... I imagine that his his framing of that would be like you know I'm just so married to the job I'm so mm. dedicated to this that you know I, I need to I'll be in I'll be in the office until midnight every night yeah, so it makes genius. sense whereas judging by the way he treats his employees I'm wondering whether it was just his wife kicked him out 
If there's anything, like, if his home life is anything like his work life, then oh, he's just sleeping in the office. Yeah. <laughs> it's got shades of Alan Partridge living in a hotel, a travel tavern. To it, I think. <laughs> so anyway, when Dan does finally get his feet under the desk at Old Trafford, it's not just star signings they will be targeting. He'll also be hoping to mine the club's famed academy to find the next Marcus Rashford or Kobe Mainu. And Dan will no doubt be pretty enthused by the form of the under-21 team who have hit a bit of a hot streak. They've won four of their last five games, including an impressive win over Man City on Monday. Although on closer inspection, Dan might have a few doubts because the winning goal against Man City was scored by none other than up-and-coming 37-year-old midfielder Tom Huddleston, (laughs) who you may remember broke onto the scene as a as a youngster back in two thousand and three, what like um, Huddersfield or Spurs? It was Derby, Spurs Derby. Bit, he it? started out at Derby and then then moved to Spurs. Where, when did Tom Huddleston join Man United? Is he like a forgotten? So he jo- he joined in twenty twenty two. I think he he's officially a player coach, but in the last like four games, he they've drafted him into the team. After which. Man United's form has had a drastic upturn. Um, <laughs> Is that allowed in under twenty one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're allowed to have a certain number of over age players. Like the Olympics, I'm always a bit like, surely this is just taking opportunities away from the players who he's supposed to be coaching. Yeah. Like, what are they thinking? Do you think it's a bit of the competitive dad thing? He's like, yeah, let me let me show you yeah, how it's maybe. done. Just takes yeah. over the midfield. None of the so none of the Man City players. Um, in that match on Monday, were even born when Tom Huddleston made his debut. <laughs> One of them only turned 16 last week. <laughs> and he's 37. Uh, so was he a sort of like Eric Ten Hag, Moneyball squad player signing? Or was it always like, we're buying him for the under-21s? I guess. I think he was signed as as player coach for the under-21s, but... I don't know if that was if he mentioned that in the, in his in his interview that it all goes to shit that I'll just yeah I'll do a job was, for yeah, you midfield yeah, yeah. God I'd forgotten completely about Tom Huddleston which is about trying to imagine the, the dressing room dynamics after that <laughs> they're all like sitting around showing each other TikTok videos and was like, oh, what's that yeah <laughs> I guess he can get served in the pub so maybe that's maybe yeah if there's so no. so he wins their wins their trust yeah <laughs> what does he look like now I fucking have yeah. yeah he's uh he's, he's almost tubby at this point he's he was always little... quite sort of like thick yeah build I mean not yeah. right he's quite hairy as well for an under 21 <laughs> he's got quite a good beard on him so you mentioned Tom was a little bit tubby which reminds me of Calvin Phillips mm. who is having a bit of a tough start to his life at West Ham so he made two pretty calamitous mistakes in his first two games gave away goals and then he was sent off against Nottingham Forest at the weekend. This pretty underwhelming start has earned him an unflattering nickname from West Ham fans. Make what, two mistakes now out of sending off? <laughs> Oldest Yorkshire Perlo, bollocks, he's a Yorkshire pudding, mate. <laughs> Poor bloke. <laughs> yeah, a Yorkshire pudding. I think being compared to a, a stodgy, gravy-soaked lump of batter... <laughs> Must be especially cutting for Calvin, considering Pep Guardiola's previous comments about his weight. So mm. you might remember when Calvin came back from the Qatar World Cup, Pep came out publicly and, and called him overweight and then dropped him from the team. Um, he has actually finally come out and apologised for those comments this week in classic Pep style as ready. I'm so sorry. So sorry. I, I apologise. I do. I'm so sorry. Um, a slightly Japanese voice from the accent. It's Catalan. It's Catalan. <laughs> but I don't know if Pep's in in a bit of a pensive mood. But if he is, 
Gabriel Jesus might also be expecting a letter in the mail. I don't know if you saw this week, Gabriel Jesus was explaining his departure from Man City, which he, he says he decided on when Pep made him cry. So the story goes, it was, it was the build-up to Man City's big Champions League clash against PSG at the Etihad. And Jesus was thinking, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be starting this game. You know, Aguero's left at this point. I think whoever else they had up front was out injured. So he's thinking like, this is, this is my time to shine. And then match day comes around and Pep pulls out his team sheet and left back Alexander Zinchenko is playing up front. <laughs> is, this and, a, yeah, is this like the, the era of weird Pep? Yeah, moves? yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was sort of a false nine. Yeah. But anyway, you could, just, you could just imagine Jesus just like, what the fuck? Like, That's like being picked last at school. Yeah. <laughs> How desperate are you not for yeah. me not to play? But he says that he then he went home and was like crying on the phone to his mum and decided he had to leave Man City. Really? You can um, you can exactly picture what Gabriel Jesus would look like crying because he often he looks, looks like he's, like he's, about he's crying to. anyway. Yeah. And actually, it would be like looking at like a cartoon crying. I'd quite like to see it. Yeah, to speak to his mum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or drop him from a, a crunch, crunch Champions League yeah. top. Just get those um, eyebrows going. Yeah. If Pep's apology to Calvin Phillips is closing the curtain on the Premier League's era of fat shaming, then one man eagerly checking his DMs for a grovelling apology is Sam Allardyce. So in 2016, shortly after Sam was appointed England boss, West Ham, bo- West Ham manager Slavin Bilic was asked about Big Sam's prospect and the job. And he replied, I think Sam will do well. The players will respect him. He's a big man. He's Big Sam. You see him on the television. He fills the screen. You are looking for the board with the sponsor's names behind. Where have they gone? You can't see them. <laughs> in fairness to Slavin, you could probably fit three of him inside Big Sam. Yeah. Slavin's quite slender and Big Sam ain't. Was he saying that basically his weight gives him like gravitas with the players? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah. He's actually like a bit of a dying breed, the, the more rotund Premier League manager. Yeah, they're all quite... Um, we were looking at a picture of Oliver Glasner, the new Crystal Palace boss yeah. the other day, and that's what a Premier League manager looks like now, sort of arms folded, puffer gilet on. Yeah, he's straight up central casting. Do we basically blame Klopp and Pep for making, like, not only do you have to be an amazing man manager, tactician, media handler, but now you also have to be, like, sexy to be a top manager? Because if you look at them, who they paved the way for, like your Thomas Franks, mm. you know, Arteta, even Ten Hag's got his polo yeah, neck. Yeah, there's not it. many, there's not many um, Steve Bruce and... Yeah. Um, even Fergie you know, though, like, do you know what I mean? It used to be that like, if you had bags under your eyes and like burst blood vessels, it showed that you like, yeah, you were a leader. Yeah. And now it's like, it undermines you a bit with the players. They need to all have this sort of charisma that works well on little like TikTok sound bites. Yeah. Which Big Sam doesn't. Many quality, many qualities that he does have. That's that's not one. Yeah, of them. Oliver Oliver Glasner obviously does. In fact, who's the new Palace manager you mentioned, the Austrian? But I was a bit disappointed that Oliver Glasner was hired because last time there was a vacancy at Selhurst Park, uh, the guy, the leading candidate to get the Palace job was a man called Adolf Hutter, <laughs> whose name is only two characters different from Adolf Hitler. He's Austrian as well. Really? Yeah. What were his parents thinking? Surely, so, surely when you when you your surname is Hutter and you choose the name Adolf for your son. Yeah. You, and he was born in 1970 in Austria. Yeah. So 25 years after the war. Apparently, I looked into it a bit more. Apparently, his grandmother insisted he was called Adolf because it reminded her of a relative who she loved that died a couple of decades earlier. 
Yeah, died. He was he was something Mysterious. of a leader, actually. <laughs> this relative. I also when I, I thought that name had pretty much died out. It has, even in Austria. Apparently, even in Austrian towns that are like I'm not gonna say yeah. sympathetic, but as in like areas that were once sympathetic, even there, you don't meet any adults. Yeah. And he goes by Addy. There was a comment on Reddit um, about Adolf Hutter and they said he sounds like a pro-Evo Nazi <laughs> <laughs> along with Joseph Gibbles and Rudolf Haas. <laughs> Heinrich Hummler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which, anyway, I don't know what's happened to Addy, Addy Hutter. Isn't, isn't, an e- isn't the eagle also a Nazi symbol? It is, yeah, the Eagles. Maybe that. Maybe they just decided it was all too hot. Yeah. You'd get savaged in the Premier League by fans. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it plays in Austria and Germany, but I think in in the Premier League it would just be such a gimme. Also, Wayne Hennessy would be an interesting, because <laughs> he was at Palace at the time of that vacancy, Would have, and he is desperate to learn about the Third <laughs> yeah. Reich, so it would have been a nice way to introduce him to the topic. Yeah. Do you think Wayne Hennessy would just be like, I don't get why everyone's laughing at this guy's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said that he was like completely clueless about yeah. Second World War history, right? Yeah, he didn't know what the salute was or yeah. anything really about the Nazis, but he's desperate to learn about them. Mm. Um, anyway, so so <laughs> Glasner's in at Palace and Roy Hodgson's out. Roy Hodgson, another manager who he doesn't really fit the new sexy style, does he? Poor bloke. It's a bit no. of a sad ending. Like he he was he jumped before he was pushed. Right? Mm. It was very very clear. I was wondering when, cause obviously there were all of these rumours that he was about to be sacked, and then he was like carted off to hospital. I hope get well soon, Roy. But I was imagining this scene where he sort of spotted Steve Parrish and whoever other the other directors coming down to the training ground, and was suddenly just like, <laughs> just dropped to the ground. Just like, Go on an ambulance. <laughs> Every time they get in a room with him, he faints. How many games do you you string out? He was apparently saying for the the game on Monday, Everton, I think it was. He was saying, I'm going to beat the Everton game. And they were like, no, 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 don't. He goes, well, I'll come in the director's box. (laughs) So honestly, no. (laughs) They're just waiting for him to regain consciousness so they can fire him. Poor bloke. It is a sad end. It's also a bit different to the end of his last job. Do you remember when he was leaving Watford and it was the last yeah. game of the season and he just sat in, in his dugout, which was like dappled in the sun, just in sunglasses, didn't make any substitutions, <laughs> didn't do a post-match interview. Yeah. It's just like on the beach. Yeah. Wasn't that when they got relegated as well? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Bit of a sad end. Hell of a career. He's He's been a manager for 48 years. Really? Since wow. 1976. He was born, sorry, he's just 127 days older than the Santiago Bernabeu Real Madrid Stadium. He's <laughs> 78 days yeah, old. Yeah, he's, he's, he's old. Uh, I guess he's, he's had some high points. You're a Fulham fan. He obviously... Yeah, I mean, Roy Hodgson's a Fulham legend. Uh, do Fulham fans still sort of view him as a... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because well, he took you to the UEFA Cup final. You had that win over Juve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that. We had, our, I think, our best ever Premier League finish under him as well. Finished seventh, mm. qualified for Europa League, and then... That was his Europa that was final. his best era, really. The Roy Naissance, when he came back to England. The Roy Naissance. <laughs> Just came out with that. He, uh, he, he had Fulham, like, resurrected his career, and then he went to Liverpool, and it was all a bit... Yeah. He's always been a bit unappreciated. So, apparently, Inter, Milan, who in the 90s, he led them to the UEFA Cup final, and they were in a transition period, so that was a big achievement. And he got them to the final. They lost over two legs on penalties and apparently at full time his own fans pelted him with coins <laughs> and lighters. <laughs> Seems a bit ungrateful. The interspell is quite interesting. He had like, 
Yeah, I, I don't think he ever really got the credit he deserved. He did quite well, but he, he kept playing Roberto Carlos in midfield. And that's why Roberto mm. Carlos left Inter, mm. which turned out to be quite painful for, for Inter fans because obviously he went on to be a top player. Um, and Andrea Pirlo says that in his autobiography that Hodgson always called him Pirla, which means dickhead in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I really can't picture Roy Hodgson at Inter Milan. Like we were talking before about um, Premier League managers, sexy being a lot managers, more sexy yeah. these days, and Italian managers. I feel like I've always had that. You're just picturing these figures on the touchline in in black roll neck jumpers and very very smart sort of Dolce mm. & Gabbana blazers. Rogan also doesn't fit that mould, really. But the 90s, globally, people were less sexy, I would say. Teeth were less good. Smoking was mm. more common. I don't know. Uh, I think so. Sleazy older think- men were sort of more, it was less maligned, especially in Italy. Yeah. I, I think you I could get away with being a bit less sexy back then. Roy Hodgson probably wasn't, but he was a bit younger. And he was, he sort of made his name in, in Scandinavia, where he'd done quite well. Yeah. Um, there's there's a story about when he was at Viking, the Norwegian team, and apparently after training one day, he gathered the squad together for a bollocking and brought the chairman to watch. And then he just said to them, oh, I don't know what I'm fucking doing here. I'm working my arse off trying to teach you guys football for pocket money. I should be in Monaco smoking cigars. Which is, <laughs> what do you think of the accent? That was actually that? a very yeah, good yeah, word in practicing. Yeah. But it's, it's an arrogant side of Roy I haven't really seen before. So maybe he yeah, was I mean, this sort of... At that point, though, because that was pretty early days for Roy, really, wasn't it? In his management before the Roy Nations, before yeah. the, before <laughs> before into Milan, anyway. So, I mean, he was probably right. He, he uh, it should have been in Monaco. Yeah, England fans will probably never think of him too fondly because of the elimination to Iceland in in Euro twenty sixteen and in the last sixteen. And um, I guess that's fair enough. I mean, like Iceland were a small team, and also. Roy famously turned down the chance to watch Iceland in their final group game because he wanted to go on a riverboat cruise down the River Seine with Ray Lewington, his assistant. (laughs) And when he was pressed on it, he said, Ray had never seen Paris. (laughs) That was his justification for not doing his own work on Iceland. So good. I love I love the image of the, the two of them in their sunglasses on deck chairs on the deck, just going. I was like, Ray, have you? It's Notre Dame, Ray. <laughs> I think the obvious next move would be a travel show. The two of them, yeah, Ray and going ideally on cruises. Mm, mm. George, George our producer, do does, does quite a good impression of them. <laughs> but yeah, leads them from imagining what they're holidays are like together sort of sat at a thompson four star all-inclusive sort of holiday that i've been on many and uh just sort of we stick it on the beers why you moving on to something a little bit stronger <laughs> trying out all the cocktails on the menu this <laughs> time on roy hodgson i also quite like it when he gets a bit angry like should we watch the famous post-match interview yeah, roy satisfying day at the office for you yeah it's very i thought we played very well um, we were rocked back by it, another decision which I find hard to accept. But uh, luckily, which one? which one do you think? I'm asking you. No, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it then. If okay. if you're going to be tricky like that, I won't even bother to you know carry on. Should we let's stop it here? Should we? I mean, you're going to be tricky with your questions. No, no, I, I'm, I'm uh, genuinely. Well, let's start asking again. Which one? Start again. Which one? Well, how many were there? Only had two shots at goal. One was a penalty, and one was a strike at goal. Our goalkeeper saved. So, what decision are we talking about? Okay. So, so, you know, let's, let's not take the piss here. I, I certainly wasn't. Well, I think you are. But there you are. <laughs> I wasn't. Well, we start again, shall we? Or else yep. you can use that if you want. No, no. I don't think I want that. Start again. It was a genuine question. 
And I won't mention it then. You know, there wasn't a fucking penalty in the game. It wasn't one of those ridiculous situations in the game. That didn't happen. So let's just talk about our performance. Roy, a satisfying day at the office? Yeah, I thought we played very well. <laughs> First half, particularly, it was, a, it was a pretty even contest, did you not feel? Not particularly, no. I thought we had the better of the first half, and I thought we had clearly the better of the second half. Any decisions in the game that you weren't happy with? No, we've already been through that. We went through that before you've uh, restarted the interview, so I'm not prepared to talk about decisions. If, if people who watch the television can't see what decisions I'm talking about, then let's forget about it. <laughs> I love the bravery to go. Any any decisions you weren't yeah, happy with at yeah. the end? Yeah, yeah. I love him. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll miss him. Yeah, same. I mean, I, he, he maybe he'll take another job. Don't rule it out. Mm. Back at back at Palace <laughs> for the relegation <laughs> running. That would be great. I can see him go to Saudi. Oh, really? He has actually managed the UAE before, so has he? It's not hugely mm. <laughs> across the border. Mm. Yeah, uh, I could. He, I could see him taking an obscure national team as well. Yeah, what like Harry Redknapp did Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. George sent a really good video earlier of, on Atletico Mints, them <laughs> pretending to be Roy Hodgson, who's really addicted to playing Warhammer. <laughs> it's, I can't do it justice, but check it out if you're a Bob Mortimer fan. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There was an, uh, another story that caught my eye this week was an unnamed Premier League star whose house has been turned into a huge indoor cannabis farm. Wow. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the press aren't naming who it was. The house is in the northwest of England, and uh, this this star sounds like he he didn't have much to do with the actual weed growing. He it, he bought this buy to let. His relative was managing the property, and a some some bad dudes in the area. <laughs> broke in and forced the tenant to let them grow weed there, which sounds fairly unpleasant. Anyway, the police got wind of this and raided the house. So the, the first the player heard about it was that uh, industrial quantities of weed had been found in their house, which was probably looking Were good. The police, did the police check out the uh, the ownership document or something and expect to yeah. bust in and find... They were probably hoping for a big celebrity yeah. kingpin. They brought, brought down police camera action for, <laughs> for a big scoop. And, uh, 
maybe there is some involvement from the Premier League staff. It doesn't sound like there is. But it is eerily similar to what happened to Jermaine Pennant a couple of years ago. So he he owned he lived in it for a bit in the noughties, he lived there with his girlfriend, rented it out for a bit, and then he moved out and forgot he owned it. And it, it went sort of dilapidated. It was it, I've seen pictures, it's like a haunted house. It's like broken windows, overgrown garden. <laughs> I love being rich enough that you can just forget that you own yeah. a one million pound mansion. Yeah, I mean, is it that he's rich enough or is it that he's <laughs> remained penitent yeah. enough to forget about that? Um, anyway, so he totally forgot about this and by 2020 um it had been invaded by crackheads who were squatting there and they actually turned it into britain's fourth largest cannabis farm which mm, is you know it's quite impressive bit of an accolade yeah <laughs> along with jermaine pennant's other famous accolade that he was liverpool's man of the match <laughs> in the champions league final um anyway the police found out about this cannabis farm too and they raided that and uh, that's the first Jermaine heard about it was that there was like all this weed being grown there. And actually, I found online there's this really good video. These urban explorers went in after oh. the raid and there's still like huge quantities of weed in there. Oh, my God, brother. What? They've had a big fat grow in here. Fuck off. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow, that was a, that's a seriously professional setup. Yeah, that's Britain's there. fourth largest cannabis yeah. farm. Hats off to him. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, obviously the police raided it and left the weed there, so they're probably hoping to go back and nab their grow. But then the house mysteriously burned down, mm. and it's now just sitting there derelict, like dodgy, dodgy, dodgily wired hydroponics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the hydroponic machine must have exploded, <laughs> or someone went in and burned it down. Theory B. To destroy evidence, yeah, perhaps. Precisely. Anyway, I don't think Jermaine owns it anymore, but uh, it's not the only expensive purchase he forgot about. So in 2011, he completely forgot that he'd, he owned a very expensive Porsche supercar, which he'd left at Zaragoza train station in Spain for five months with the keys on the front seat. <laughs> but it was still there. Yeah, the keys were still there. And the car was still there. No one took it. Uh, I don't know if it got <laughs> turned into like a urinal for homeless <laughs> Local trusting, trusting people in Zaragoza. In Zaragoza. Yeah. Wasn't that was because he was he was in a rush to get to the airport to sign for Stoke. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He got. He it was so excited. It's actually a great romantic deadline day tale. They yeah. were like, you need to get to Stoke International Airport, <laughs> Manchester Airport, I guess, in the next couple of hours. So he just like paced it to Zaragoza train station and just ditched the car. Yeah. Don't know why he left the keys on the seat. <laughs> The gift to the good people of Zaragoza. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, if if you like Jermaine Pennant's stories, there are plenty more on our. It was our first ever. It was pod. Our first ever one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 an absolute classic. So give it a listen. So there was some sad news this week with the loss of Andy Bremer, the German World Cup legend who he scored the winning goal, a penalty in the Italian ninety final. Andy was also famously ambidextrous. He's like the most most famously ambidextrous player. Franz Beckenbauer said, I've known Andy for 20 years and I still don't know if he's right or left-footed. So apparently he scored in the 1986 World Cup, he scored a winning penalty with his left foot. And then when he stepped up in the 1990 World Cup final, everyone was expecting him to hit with his left and he shot with his right. That's amazing. Um, Does that, do you think that bamboozles goalkeepers if they don't know which I guess foot? so, yeah, completely. But it's still just like middle left or right, isn't it? Mm, I suppose, but... Love it, though. It does throw you. But not only has Germany lost a footballing legend, they've also lost one of their proudest advocates for public nudism. So if you've ever wandered the beaches of Mallorca, you'll be very familiar with the, the sun-blushed scrotums and unkempt pubic bushes of German tourists. Mm. But 
in the very in recent years, um, thanks to Mr. Bremer, her Bremer, uh, you haven't even had to get on a plane to enjoy that privilege. So after retiring, Andy started flogging these video messages to fans, you know, the like, cameo thing where you can get Andy Bremer to wish your mum happy Mother's Day. Mm. And last year, he accidentally flashed a glimpse of his naked wife getting out of the shower. <laughs> or was he like sitting on the bed? So he was, yeah, he was just like sitting there recording recording on his phone, recording this uh, happy birthday message. And then just, just sort of like got a bit startled because his wife walked into the room and just turned the camera and there she was just... <laughs> but didn't realise he'd <laughs> no, done it. No, 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 no. So he's no idea about this nude cameo. And he fired off the, the happy birthday message, collected his 70 quid and... <laughs> Obviously, the video ended up online. Fortunately, Suzanne wasn't too bothered about that. And some grubby hacks from a German tabloid tracked her down and asked her on the doorstep about the video. And she replied, so what? You could see me changing on the beach or in the sauna. (laughs) That's refreshing attitude. Yeah, it is. And Andy added, well, now the whole world knows what a great wife I have. (laughs) Which sounds quite like a contributor to readers wives. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Good on them though. That is yeah, the, that's the that's right, the right response, yeah. isn't it? Can, he'd be welcome at the gym with you anytime. Yeah, he would. He'd be welcome <laughs> on my naked gym trips, <laughs> which no one's taken me up on yet. <laughs> I am auctioning a one-hour yeah. gym session, <laughs> naked gym session. Get in touch at the live show. You yeah, will be doing a raffle. I'll bring my <laughs> weights. <laughs> I won't be trimming my pubic bush. <laughs> In honour of Andy. What <laughs> about your sun-blushed scrotum? Yeah, well, it's, it's actually looking a little pale, so I need to work on that. I've only got a few months. <laughs> well, that is a touching way to send off Andreas Brome. Probably a bit different to the obituaries in Die Welt. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I guess that's our role. Yeah. Farewell to a legend. Right. Oh, I guess actually worth mentioning, time of recording, that Thomas Tuchel, another... German legend is bidding farewell. He's not dead. He's, uh, he's he's leaving Bayern at the end of the season. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a... I always find it strange when managers announce before they're leaving that they are leaving. Well, I don't know. I guess Jurgen Klopp has done exactly the same thing in slightly... Yeah, he's not struggling. Circumstances, no. Because I think, I mean, it, it seemed really like Tuchel was on the brink of being sacked. Mm. I, yeah, this all, it's all a lot more tidy than his departure at Chelsea, which is explained by the sordid rumour that we've heard, but can't really share on this podcast. Although we do share it with our Upshot Gold email list. Yeah. Which you can sign up to at upshot.email forward slash upgrade. <laughs> I wasn't even intending this as an advert, but it has become one. Uh, we I, we will send you that story. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's in a, the group description of the Upshot WhatsApp group. A yep. link to the... And it is pretty sordid. It's extremely sordid. Yeah, it's a rumour, but it's we've heard it from a few it's a rumor. good sources. There are, there are some good, yeah... Yeah. All right, I think that's probably all we've got time for. I, this probably won't make the cut, but I just wanted to show you this because it was really funny. I saw it last night. Did you guys see the Michael Bublé thing at the, no. NA, at the NHL? Okay, so in America, the National Hockey League do an all-star game oh, yeah. with celebrities. And Michael Bublé is Canadian, massive hockey fan. I have to admit that I've lived my life having a simmering resentment for Michael Bublé yeah. Because of, of the Christmas albums, as yeah. I think... As we all do. As we all do, yeah. However, I saw this video and it completely changed my opinion of him. So this is him at a press conference and he reveals that his mate uh, gave him what he thought was a micro dose of magic mushrooms, <laughs> but then turned out it was very much a, a macro dose. And before then he, the game. Before the game. And he proceeds to give this, this hilarious press conference 
in front of uh, sort of the world's media absolutely off his tits on mushrooms. My buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms and he was lying. So I'll be honest, I thought I was in blades of glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down and then I realized, holy I'm at the NHL All-Star Game. And the answer is no, I will not be the oldest draft pick the Vancouver Canucks have ever taken at 48 years old. God, I recognize all of you. My God, I don't. I know you and you. Yours got silky mitts, my brother. Because I'm the first real ever hockey fan. I guess there's a full half an hour cut, which is uh, which is very funny because he's just talking absolute nonsense. About <laughs> it's it's um, a similar arc to James Blunt, isn't it? That like grandmother's favorite, everyone else hates your music, and then you just start coming out with all these ridiculous <laughs> stories. <laughs> mm. Was that James Blunt told a mental story in his new um, book? James Blunt um, was going out with Lindsay Lohan, and um, he goes to a he goes to a drinks party thrown by the actor Jamie Fox. So it's like an A list party. And um, Blunt goes to the loo and does a shit which won't flush and the toilet's threatening to overflow. So he's mates with Bear Grylls, the survivalist. So he, he texts Bear Grylls for advice and Grylls says to Blunt, you've either got to unlock the toilet by hand, unblock the toilet by hand or put the poo in a bag and then in the bin. Blunt replies, no bag. And Grylls responds, last resort, mate, eat it. <laughs> and James Blunt claims that he ate his own feces before brushing his teeth with Jamie Foxx's toothbrush. <laughs> and he puts it in his book. Fucking hell. <laughs> what? Oh I'm not suggesting that Michael Bublé is going to eat shit, but I think well, he's so on why, a similar Why is he calling up Bear Grylls to... He's got a block toilet. Surely Bear Grylls is like, if you're stuck on a desert island and... Wow, who are you going to call if you could call anyone? A uh, plumber, probably. What's <laughs> <laughs> Bear Grylls got to do with a blocked cistern? <laughs> well, he's a survivalist. He's good at sort of improvising in <laughs> situations of crisis. Uh, what would you do? Obviously, you find out Bear Grylls about anything, obviously he's going to tell you to eat it. <laughs> it's and eat it. I think I would just walk out the room, but I bet there was a queue for the loo probably by then. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do? Because Naomi Campbell's yeah, over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh God. You, well, I would maybe get my hands in, get the most of the turd and fling it out the window if there was a window. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's like that, you heard that story, I remember hearing at university about this uh, girl, I can't remember which university oh, she was at, who went on a first date with this guy and I think they went back to his house and yeah, they're in the bedroom and she just needed a shit. So she went went to the shit, went for a shit and toilet got blocked. So she's panicking and is like, I can't, you know, I can't just leave it like this. It's so embarrassing. So she decides that she's going <laughs> to chuck it out the window. <laughs> so she, she like opens it. It's like one of these little windows that only, only half opens and scoops out the shit and lobs it out the window, then realises that it's, it's it's gone straight onto a flat roof. <laughs> <laughs> just just outside his bedroom. <laughs> so then it's like, fuck, I, can't, I also can't leave it there because like, he's going to yeah. look out the window and see that. So she then decides to try and get out of the window and clear the shit off the flat roof. Uh, obviously, it's like a really, it's a pretty small window. She tries to go head first out, gets completely stuck, can't get in, can't get out. And they end up having to call the fire brigade. She have to come clean at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I got a, clip, got a clip of the dude who's uh, who was uh, the guy's house in question. 
So we had a lovely meal out and we decided that we'd like to continue on back at my place. So we got a bottle of wine and went back to my house to watch a documentary. She went to the toilet, uh, unfortunately it wouldn't flush and she decided to throw it out the window. Uh, now my house is a bit quirky, uh, the bathroom window doesn't actually open out to the outside garden, it opens out into a little air gap and there's a, a double glazed window between that and the outside garden. Uh, so unfortunately her business got stuck in the air gap between the two windows. She was reaching into the window with a plastic bag over her hand to try and reach the poo out of the window. Um, now she couldn't quite reach, obviously, it's quite a deep window. Um, so she basically put her head and her shoulders in through into the window. She was then upside down in the window. She did manage to grab the plu in the plastic bag. She passed it out to me. I put it back in the toilet. That was all fine. Fortunately, at that moment, she asked me to help her get out and she was stuck. She actually, she was a lot calmer than me. She was a, a lot more cool, calm and collected than I was. She did actually finish the, finish the bottle of wine and decided to call it a night there. The window was going to cost probably 300, 400 pounds, which just isn't money that I have available to me. Um, so one of my friends actually suggested that we should set up a GoFundMe page. <laughs> Well, I'm donating. Uh, well, I'm really busy with my dissertation at the moment, but you know, as to what the future holds, I don't know. She was certainly a very, very nice girl. He's simultaneously been really nice about it, but he's also fucking sold it to the press yeah. and it's like mic'd up, giving them... Pic- There's a picture of her. Stop. He also delivers it in the sort of like cold, calm sort of demeanour of a police giving a press conference yeah, yeah. after there's been a horrible <laughs> incident. The assailant then got trapped between the, in the airlock. <laughs> With the poo in her left hand. <laughs> I love his excuse for a, for a no second date. It's like, oh, well, I'm actually very busy with my dissertation at the moment. <laughs> we got time for a tour of TV yeah. studios. <laughs> Tell everyone the story. <laughs> Too fair, great story. Yeah. Fuck! I thought you were just telling an urban myth there. No, no, no. Oh, that's that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, George. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And also, if you want to watch this on YouTube uh, with videos and pics, and I can't think of a better episode to do that for after that last story, then uh, you can do that. Just uh, search for the upshot on YouTube and. Uh, get the full visual experience thanks a lot for listening see you soon hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.